Hello everyone, it is Saturday the 1st of October 2022. Welcome to another episode of the new game of Flame. I'm here with Diego. Hello everyone. And Mark. Hey, how's it going guys? It's all good, it's all good. How are you doing guys? Are you alright? Yes, thanks. <laughs> Just a bit busy. I'm good. Early, early 7.30 in the morning on my end. <laughs> yeah, well thank you very much for taking... <laughs> For doing this time slot, I mean, I don't know how you actually can wake up. Are you on coffee or something? Yeah, <laughs> I've got my Dr. Pepper. I'm a, I'm a Dr. Pepper junkie, so oh, that, that's right. another American gross American uh, drink that I don't think a lot of people like outside of the states. I don't even know if that's if it if we have that in England, Dr. Pepper. I think I've heard of it before. In fact, oh, it was um, a colleague of mine in America, and he used to like that as well. I wonder what does I've it taste of? Here at least. Is it there, Diego? I think I've yes, I've seen it here and I've even seen it in Italy years ago. But it's not it's not particularly widespread or popular as you know Coca-Cola or Pepsi or things like that. But I think I tasted it but um felt a bit weird. Is it maybe cherry <laughs> cherry flavored or something like that? Well, they have all kinds of flavors, but the standard, I mean, I don't know. I've heard some people say it tastes like cough medicine, so I have no <laughs> idea. <laughs> it's 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 definitely a unique flavor. Uh, but yeah, that's that's my that's my go-to. And of does course, it it's, contain caffeine. It does. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it does. So it's in all effect it's like a Red Bull. There you go. Yeah, it's basically like Coke. I mean, it's that's what. Well, it wait, is. wait, what, what? Coca Cola. Coca. All <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> or a Pepsi. How about we say that? That's probably better. <laughs> right. So you don't drink coffee as much, or do you? I don't. I don't drink it. Um, All right. I try to be as healthy as I can, which is you know. I mean, even this is a zero sugar one. It's you know. Um, but yeah, I try to. Well, yeah. <laughs> all right. All right. Uh, well, here we're both coffee addicts, I think, Diego. Oh, I don't know yes. How, yeah, I don't know how you do it. You drink coffee at 1 a.m. <laughs> I oh drink gosh. it all over the clock. It's not that many times, but uh, I drink it even before going to bed. I, I think it's more because I want to warm up, you know, like in the freezing cold over here. But uh, I, it, it doesn't seem to prevent me from sleeping if I drink it in the evening. Um, and maybe not even sure if it really helps wake me up in the morning or if it's just a habit, you know, thinking that this will wake me up. So then it does. Maybe it's not even having that much of an effect. But I I, I, I love the taste of coffee anyway. I love the drink itself. So that's why I drink it, basically. How do you drink it? The most common way is, unfortunately, nowadays, just instant coffee. No sugar, maybe some milk, but no sugar at all, just plain. But uh, when I have guests, usually I pop out my classic Italian coffee pot and uh, make the real one. I know the good brands and uh, I take all the (laughs) 
cliche steps to make it as best as I can. And uh, that's another level of coffee, in my opinion. If you know the Italian espresso, it's okay. It's not exactly like in a bar, but it's that level of consistency and density of the coffee. It's a very, drink. very small drink, very small, very small cup, but full of flavor and strength. But, but Mark, sorry, just going back to you a second. Have you, you've tried coffee, haven't you? Oh, yes, yes. When I was younger, I drank it quite a bit. Oh, um, okay. And I liked, I drank it with the, uh, I loved Irish cream. That's what I used to put in mine. <laughs> or the French vanilla, those two are, you know, as simple as that goes. But, you know, the espressos and all that stuff, nah, it's too strong for me. It would, it would give me the jitters, I guess. That would keep you awake this morning. <laughs> oh, yeah, that would wake me right up. <laughs> But do you know there's you know there's the Italian coffee pot? Have you ever seen it? Do you know what Diego's talking about? I don't. No. Oh, it's got like a, a double trapeze kind of shape, and and you well, I don't know, I don't know how you call it in English, but then you, you screw it together. I think that's what you're talking about, and Diego at least. Yeah, yeah, I'm talking about this uh, octagonal it's shape. It's called mocha. Yes, octagonal shaped. I think it's used everywhere, but uh, maybe Naples, they have a slightly different one. But uh, it, it's really common and it's cast iron, I think. So heavy metal built and pretty much everyone I know uses that back in Italy. And also the ones who have spread out of the country carry one of two of those with them usually. <laughs> I, I personally, I drink coffee in the morning once. So, so a bit like you, Mark, I'm trying to be a bit healthier. So I try not to drink as many coffees. One, one a day is kind of what I aim to drink. So one in the morning done properly, in my opinion, with um, like a barista machine that we've got. We bought from a brand called Gadja. And it's really good. While, uh, to me, it's really comparable to the bar. So we, we don't have the machine that Diego was talking about there. What I always call here the mocha, but in England, mocha is something different. The one machine you just mentioned is kind of legendary. It's a legendary brand in Italy that Gaja. Uh, I don't like making like now a uh, commercial out of it, but uh, I tried it at your place and it's really, really close to the bar level of coffee making. So unless you are a true purist, you probably won't notice much of a difference between that one. So it it's, for me, the ultimate kind of home machines for making coffee. And I've been myself thinking for ages of taking that one, but except that it does take a little bit of space in your kitchen. But if it wasn't for that, uh, I, I would have that one too already. It does take a little bit of space, but it's definitely worth it in, in my opinion. So my girlfriend, she's stopped drinking coffee. She only drinks it now weekends again with the aim to be a bit healthier, a bit like yourself. Maybe we might take up uh, some Dr. Pepper. <laughs> I wouldn't recommend that. That's It's still not that great, if I'm honest. I, I, Googled, <laughs> I Googled a mocha pot in the M-O-K-A, it looks like. And is that is that what you use, Diego? Yeah, yes, I suppose so. Mocha is with K is the name. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, that's cool. It's a cool looking pot. I'll give it that. <laughs> the, the the principle behind it is that you put coffee, so you put water in the bottom and then you put the coffee all compacted up in in a little recipient uh, that, that basically is flush then with this uh, bottom part. 
and then you screw it in and the um, the water then boils at the bottom and pushes through this flush container with all the ground coffee and brings the coffee out to the top where it sits then it's a it's fairly fairly strong it's good good stuff if you've never tried it hmm. awesome well yeah thanks again yeah to be for being here at this time in the morning uh, i don't know what you guys have been doing uh since last time well mark we've spoken to you last time when we were doing the pigorous episode uh, what have you been doing in the in these weeks oh, that's a good question well um i have a friend that owns a video game shop here um it's about 10 minutes from my house and earlier this year he did what was he he, he's always been wanting to make kind of a not a convention i I mean i think the aim would be there so he he did a swap meet i guess um i mean i guess you guys in britain call it car boot sales but without a car i guess (laughs) is what he made so you know what in- I understood? Sorry, I thought you said swap meat, like M-E-A-T. Oh. <laughs> and, yeah. I, and I was like a bit baffled then. Are you going to swap me like a steak for two ribs or something? <laughs> yeah, that's what. Yeah, I, I mean, have you guys heard of a swap meat before? Never. Okay, or a, maybe a flea market. That's something else yeah. we call it. Flea okay. market, yes. So he did that just for video games slash vintage kind of toys back in April. So, and the reason I bring this up is um, it it was insane. It, it was raining, and we did it out in the, kind of this parking lot behind his shop. And oh gosh, I think we had about forty vendors or forty tables, and he had to have had maybe three to four thousand people it was an absolute people are just thirsty for this stuff it was such a success he's like well i guess i better do another one so we have another one scheduled for october 1st a week from today i know i I know i'm pulling the curtain back because you said it was october 1st i think at the beginning of the episode when this is due to release but he he has a proper convention center and 140 tables are, are are going to be here and I think on his Facebook page, there's almost 5,000 people that are, quote, interested or going to go. So I've been preparing for that, not to sell per se, um, but be, one of my favorite things when I go to these is, is being able to see really cool and neat things. So he's given me like 16 feet of table space so that I can bring some cool stuff to show off and let people play maybe things they've never seen before. Cause I kind of have kind of an insane hardware collection. I've seen so, it. I've seen some of it. Yeah. It's really yeah. incredible. And so I'm going to, I'm going to pack up the X 68,000. I think the laser active, um, my Vectrex, which I just put the UV light in. Did you see that? I posted, I think on, on the Retro Asylum Discord recently, I just posted some images. I, there's a, a gentleman there in the UK that makes these UV frames and another guy that makes these UV overlays and it gives it this glow that is just unbelievable. So you know, I'm bringing a bunch of cool stuff. So I've kind of been just preparing for that. So yeah, it ought to be interesting. I'll try to post some pictures in our Discord as well as Retro Asylum and just kind of see how it goes. But yeah, I'm excited just to let people play some stuff they've never seen before. Yeah, sounds awesome. I mean, you remember I was going to nearly come to America <laughs> this uh 
Uh, you know, you said you were going to a convention as well. It wasn't this one. It was another one, wasn't it? That's right. Yes. So two weeks behind that, October 15th, um, Portland. It's called Portland Retro Gaming Expo um, in Oregon. And it's on the West Coast. Um, yeah. But it is, it's the craziest convention. It's It's got to be one of the biggest, if not the best. Um, I had a, I was having a discussion with Chris O'Regan on Retro Asylum Discord. Um, he, he comes here twice a year, I think he said, to go to the PAX, the P-A-X Expos, oh, yeah. or the Penny Arcade, I think is what it's called. Um, and I was trying to convince him that he needs to come, or somebody needs to come out here to check out Portland, because it's, it's crazy. Um, yeah, I, I can't wait to go. I haven't been since 2018. So, yes, I, I've got a busy month ahead of me, but a lot of fun coming up for me. Uh, and I might join you next year if you go, because this year I was I was just saying to my girlfriend again, she was like, oh, why don't you go? And I was like, what do you mean? Why don't you go? <laughs> just go. <laughs> just but go. Then I, I've got the kids on that weekend, but next year maybe. Uh, and the flights were about a grand, I think it was, with a return ticket, which, I mean, it's a lot, but it's America. And I've never been to America. How cool is that? You've never been here. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I've never been to the UK, so that makes sense. <laughs> well, how about you, Diego? What, what have you been up to these last month or so? Well, sadly, not many things that would be interesting to talk about. Just a lot of <laughs> just a lot of work and family stuff. Didn't really have much time for gaming, and uh, yeah, but um, that that car boot sale or uh, that you're talking about i think that really looks interesting and i wonder if we have something similar over here because there's there's lots of interest in finland about old machines retro gaming and such but i've never seen myself um an event to bring all these people together so we also have flea markets where they are really about everything and if you're very lucky, you can find some retro gaming stuff in those places. But I haven't seen any dedicated ones, only online groups. But, well, it may make me feel like I would like to be one of those as well and see how it goes. And I was going to ask you anyway, do you usually find yourself on the seller side or the buyer side? One more than the other. Well, yeah, I mean... I mean, back in the day, I was I was buying stuff like crazy. But the thing is, is it it was where I'm at. I don't know if it was just you know where I live. I we had so much, so many uh, secondhand stores or charity shops that I just found so much of my stuff, you know, cheap and and things like that. That as I got old, you know, as I say, older. But about 2015 is when I started purging because I just had. I mean, and I still, it, I just have too much. So 2015, I went to Portland with some friends and ended up selling, um, I would say, uh, so 15, 16, and 17, I was a vendor with some friends. We shared a huge booth um, and you know, I sold a huge amount. And then 2018, I went um, with my two oldest kids. And at the time they were 12 and eight. And so we just went as for for fun, I guess. Um, and that, it's been great. The, this last swap meter, the, the car boot sale that we did back in April, I had a table to sell stuff. 
And even then, I think I sold like $700 worth of stuff, um, not really meaning to. I just was like trying to support my friend and doing this thing. So, um, yeah, I mean, now I, I don't plan on buying things when I go to Portland other than, you know, possibly something that's interesting, whether it's retro or, you know, I kind of been getting into like this, you know, the old signs or video game swag, I guess. So I don't know. But I just, I'd love the atmosphere of it. I mean, it sounds like the place I shouldn't be, but I would like to be. <laughs> Otherwise, I would say, have to say goodbye to my house. <laughs> well, you, I mean, you recently picked up a, a, new, a new monitor. You need a, a new monitor like you need a hole in the head, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I went last night to pick up another monitor, 5151 IBM. Uh, it looks beautiful it's very well kept and i was the only bidder so there you go i can't believe you got that for what was it like 50 pounds yeah yeah a bit less really in the end but yeah i wouldn't have been able to ship you one even if i got you one i wouldn't have been able to ship it that cheap to you well yeah i mean i'm very reluctant to ship anything in fact one of the things i was going to say is that your amstrad is up next so i'm going to start this repair this evening, I think, with my dad and see if we can finish uh, the, the screen. And then that's um, that's going to be shipped over to you. But however, I know you're happy to take all the risks, but <laughs> yeah, I am very uncomfortable into, into shipping a screen. But I will try to pack it as best as I can. Well, and I shipped, I shipped an Atari 800 to uh, Mads you know, there in Denmark. And, mm. and it cracked. And I mean, I thought I did a good job, but the power supply, I think it weighs like three kilos. And so roughly, and yep. so it, it, it cracked, it cracked the case. I was so upset because <laughs> it was such a clean machine, but, oh, that's a... but you know, I mean, yeah, it's just, that's just the risk of shipping, I guess these days. I think so. I think so. You just need to be extra careful and, and, uh, and just hope for the best. I think, you know, um, what have you been up to Andy? Not much myself, to be honest. I've been very busy with work this past few weeks, mainly. So my kid is going to secondary school now here in England, and he's starting to need a computer. And for the first time, I thought to myself, I don't want Windows anymore. And I thought I'd install Linux. And there is a distro called Pop OS that is very praised, and it seems to be really easy to install. So I thought, ah, oh, if I could move everything over to Linux, how better would it be? No telemetry and all that. So I tried it and I installed it on my son slash daughter's computer, which they really want to participate to the in the podcast for some reason. They want to be mentioned. <laughs> they told me today, can you say my name? Can you say my name? So well, <laughs> maybe another time. <laughs> but anyways, they uh, I, I installed this uh, OS and it is really like windows straightforward kind of so you can it installs really quickly and it does find most of your peripherals but you have to have like for example a wired earth ethernet in order for it to find the other the other drivers for the other peripherals but it kind of works out of the box you know and then i thought well uh let's see how long it takes me to get it going because it has support for all of the stuff that usually Windows has support for. Well, let's say most of it. And it has, for example, you can play Steam games on it and uh, you have, off, not Microsoft Office, but LibreOffice. And you can install it without the, the use of the terminal. 
and you've got like a store and it's become so simple that I thought let's give it a try right so I did that but I have an Nvidia card in there for them to play their games and I was trying to install the drivers which surprisingly again they installed really quickly and really swiftly but I would really struggle to find a resolution for a 4K screen, for example. And I and I wasn't able to to get that going. And it took me quite a while to try and try and try again. No, no go. And then I started reading and it was like, oh, this needs this, needs this, you need to do this, and oh, do this on the terminal. So once again, <laughs> Windows 1. But it's getting there. My point is it's getting better and better and better to a point where I really hope I can ditch Windows on most of the machines, really. So that's what I've been up to, mostly. It's not a bad plan. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think I'm quite a fan of Linux myself, even though at the moment I don't have any machine with it. But I I think... I like recycling old laptops because I just don't see myself throwing everything away in the garbage. And I think Linux distributions might be the best thing to put on an old laptop because they seem to always work pretty well. Unlike Windows, it does tend to age badly, in my opinion. Mm. And uh, Linux doesn't really. So even if I keep them around for backup purposes, then with Linux, they work pretty well. And uh, the typical problem is that, well, most of the software is made for Windows. But, well, between Wine, the famous Windows emulator for Linux, and not having to use everything on every machine, I think you can manage with that. But... At the same time, I probably would always have at least one Windows computer at home forever. I think it's really fast, you know, as well. as Like you said, it's the best. I was surprised at how fast it is. So I installed it in this semi-old machine, which is uh, LGA1150. So it's quite old. But, it, you know, you press something and immediately, you know, it just works really, really, really fast, you know, and very down to the bone. So nothing is hidden. The settings are really in, in your face and all. I really hope it's going to surpass it because performance wise, because it hasn't got all the bloatware in, it actually is much faster than, I wouldn't say my my laptop, but the, the Linux machine, it's booted in a matter of three seconds or something, you know, and it just pops up and and it's very responsive immediately and i really like that and they don't have any problems playing games on it what games no, do they play well they don't yeah so you can use it i think steam games have some of them developed for linux now as well but they've redone all their engine that launches the games or something like that i've read and you can play 98 or 95 percent i don't remember but of the of the steam catalog on it it runs a little bit slower than on a windows native machine but that's about it, you know. And for my children that they play Roblox, <laughs> yep. I don't think they get, that's going to make any difference. But, you know, uh, I really want to sw- switch over to Linux if I can. That would be so cool. Interesting. You want to do it even on your modern laptop? I, uh, I'd, I'd love to do that. I'd love to do that on my laptop as well. 
it's so much faster. But then I have a different issue with that, where the Creative Cloud stuff doesn't work on uh, on Linux machines. That which that that's the main issue for that I've got on the main main laptop. So editing and stuff like that does not work. Right. Gaming wise, I don't know if you guys have been playing anything, uh, rather except from Xeno Crisis. Have you been playing anything else, Mark? Um, well, it's funny. I have this monster PC that I've built a couple of years ago, and I've been playing old games on it. So <laughs> I, I've tried, um, uh, what's it called? Oh, my gosh, it's losing me. Um, Serious Sam. Have you ever got, Have you guys ever played Serious Sam? Oh, yeah. Back in 1990, yeah. probably. <laughs> well, this is the third iteration, and so it's Serious Sam three. I, you know, I, I got it from um, uh, Roushi, or I know he he pronounces it different, but Roushi um, gave me a big pile of Steam games recently, and that was one of them. And it's just so simple. I mean, you're just going through and just blasting hordes and hordes of ridiculous enemies and it's so much fun so that's the one i it it feels modern because it 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 actually has a resolution of this ultra wide monitor that i have so it feels like a modern game but it's gosh it's like 12 years old or something so um other than that um i haven't really played much in in uh in depth i guess yeah oh well it's all right i think I remember playing that game and basically by the sounds of it, it hasn't even changed. It's always the same. I think it was the same kind of game, like hordes and hordes of monsters. Just just shoot. Yeah, it's just a, I mean, I call it popcorn gaming. I mean, it's just sit back and just blast away. I mean, it, it, it doesn't take any brain, you know, power. You just, <laughs> it's just fun. It's just a fun, easy game. I, I kept thinking I, I'm beating it. And I, I mean, I've been playing that game for I don't know, five or six, maybe seven hours and it's, I'm still going. So yeah, that's fun. Um, do you guys play any modern games or kind of modernish games? Sure. Are you doing anything currently? I mean, I guess you guys are both working hard. I, I've been doing the same. I've, <laughs> I've been working like 60 hour weeks also, but. Oh. Uh, well, when it comes to modern contemporary games, well, contemporary, well, I'm going to have to ask you what you mean, because usually I'm always a bit, a few years late with everything. But I guess everybody has heard that uh, Return to Monkey Island is out now. Yeah. I haven't tried it myself, but uh, that is something that I've been looking forward. Yeah, I can't say I have played really recent game at all in, the, in this last few months. Recently, I've been playing with, with my kid, with the PlayStation, mostly. Um, just the other day, we were playing one of his favorite game. Have you ever heard of Trine? Uh, no. That's basically a kind of platformer, and it's originally made from Finland, so perhaps this is particularly famous here. Is Although that we on the playing... PS4? Is that the PlayStation 4? Well, we are playing it on the PS3, actually. Okay. But uh, I think it's on Steam, at least. And it's on the Nintendo Switch. So I'm quite confident it might be also on PS4. It sounds familiar. So, yeah, it's an old pla- it's a platformer. Yeah, it's very much a platformer where you are three characters. 
although you can play also alone or in just two players like we usually do and switch character every time you want because each one of the three characters has different skills and roles. So there's a warrior best at fighting. There's an archer who can also do stealth. And there's a wizard who creates objects and then can move them with telekinetic powers. So it's mostly meant to be played at least in two people. I think there are some sort of challenges at some points that are very difficult if you're really alone i suppose there's always a way but it's anyway not that fun when you have at least two players you can make them interact like the wizard can create an object that another character used to climb somewhere or the wizard can even levitate the object and make the other character reach otherwise unreachable places well, I, I wouldn't say it's outstanding, but it's pretty pretty nice, and apparently it's been my one of my kids' favorite games <laughs> recently. So that's, that's awesome. what we've been playing. It's been a, it's been out for at least um, eight years or so, so it's not really not really new. You know what it reminds me of when you talk about it? It reminds me of Vikings from Blizzard. Yeah, I think that was one of my favorite games back in the nineties for DOS. The like Lost the, Vikings. The Last Vikings. Lost Vikings. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. Lost Vikings. Yeah, yeah. Can anyone name the the characters off by you know by memory? Eric, oh, no. Olaf, but I don't remember the archer's name right now. Oh, that's very good. I I, I don't remember them. <laughs> <laughs> Eric was the the swift, the one who could jump and run fast, and Olaf was the the guy with the shield. But what was the name of the the archer? I don't remember it on the top of my head. No, <laughs> but amazing game. Really, really, really great, in my opinion. And I still like playing it every now and then. You said you played that on DOS? I think I played it on my first PC. And I'm not completely sure, but originally it did have only DOS, and then I moved to Windows. What I'm not sure of is whether I played it when I still only had DOS or windows already but uh, it it's a game of the early 90s anyway yeah i remember seeing it on the uh, genesis here the mega drive so that that's where i remember seeing it but um you know i it was it was a hard game i remember trying it and being very confused but i i'm also more of a pick up and play and i think you had it was a lot more involved than just being able to pick up and platform so to speak it definitely had uh... Uh, quite challenging puzzles or puzzle-like things to do around. So not really just a platformer. I wouldn't call it a simple platformer because often you had to think or maybe first explore some locales and fail in the meantime, but you would discover what other things were around, like buttons and barriers and moving platforms. And then you would try again with an idea of how to combine the skills of the three different characters to get past the challenge. So a lot more thinking game than an action game, in my opinion. Yep, yep. And and that's where it lost me when I was a teenager. I was <laughs> <laughs> but but I it was I mean it was a gorgeous game on the on the Mega Drive. It was, you know, 
Um, it looked, it looked really, really, really cool. So yeah, I need to give that one a shot. Maybe now that I'm more of a thinking man. <laughs> I I was going to say before we kind of delved off onto this, uh, trying, <laughs> but uh, yeah, which is, I love that. I like, I love tangents. Um, <laughs> but I just thought, should we actually do an episode on return to monkey Island? I am just wondering that right now in my head. I mean, I, I think it would be awesome. Yeah. I, I mean, I said I was going to be day one. I didn't buy it, but I need to. So it would give me an excuse to, to play it. I would be game. Yeah. The, I think that maybe the question is, uh, is this really a new game for an old flame or is this just a new game outright? But well, for me, I, I think I will definitely want to play this 100%. But I also have the feeling that I'll be very patient before picking it up. Because I know right now I am so busy with so many stuff, I'm afraid not to be able to enjoy it the way I want. And I can wait. I can, I can wait. I'm, I've grown up to be a very patient guy. So when <laughs> I have a plan, I'm when you about have kids, playing something when you have seriously. Kids. It's gonna take me a while before getting it. But what, what's your opinion on what you've seen so far about it? I don't have anything else to add uh, to what I've already said, but that's why I'm really curious into trying it out and maybe doing a special episode on it. How about you, Kit? Well, I think it looks awesome. I, I know we talked about this, I think the last time I was on, but it kept getting some hate. But um, from what I hear, people are, are enjoying it and yeah. I think it'll be a lot of fun. I I'm totally game to jump in and try it. it. You know, point and click adventures have never been my thing. And it was just because I think I was too, too simple minded <laughs> for them. But uh, now that I've played the one uh, day of the tentacle, I think I'm, I'm game to try a modern day version of that. I think that would be a lot of fun. I'd say let's do it. Maybe not right now, but let's do it. I think I've read some criticism about it. Lots of people don't like the artwork style. I think it's totally fine. It's obviously not the same beatmap graphics, but uh, I certainly like the way it looks. And now I've seen more remakes. Uh, sorry. I, I've seen more previews and reviews about uh, Return to Monkey Island, but I still, I'm still only a little bit skeptic about the quests, whether they will be intriguing enough, because all these previews tend to show uh, the old locations of the original game remade with the new graphics. So you see the, the same city streets, the, the shops and the prison and the, the famous scam bar with where all the pirates are. And I haven't seen anything new. And uh, that's not bad per se. Of course, the quests and the challenges will be new. But I've also read some bits about lacking a bit of the original humor, perhaps. Not feeling as fresh as uh, people maybe were expecting it to feel. But the way it looks, I think it will certainly be a good point-and-click game at the very least. Not expecting it to be another legend like the original, but I think it's a sure bet for a very good game overall. So let's 
let's keep one eye on it. Yeah. I, I tried loom, uh, when, when it was on the game club and, uh, that one didn't click with me at all. So, but you know, again, I mean, you, you gotta take them, take them for what they're worth. I, I would be excited to try it. So yeah, I mean, yeah, like you said, let's just wait and see how it goes. On a different note, I was playing also, uh, so I played, um, I play a modern game called Milanoir. So I don't know if you've ever heard of it. So it's a shooter with a, with a plot. It's a very, very good story. It's about a mafia, a mafia guy. And uh, he goes around doing mafia jobs and killing people in a cartoonish kind of graphic environment. And he it's all very cartoonish. And they have big bubble heads kind of. It, it looks quite quirky. The writing is really good, I think. And uh, the action is also very, very, very good. And it's very fun. And this the protagonist goes around in a Vespa as well to do his missions. And you find all the common Italian stereotypes <laughs> in it, which is quite funny. One of them is the Vespa, the pizza, uh, the buildings with the washing out, um, all that sort of stuff. I think it's a, a great little game. And I, I do recommend it. I, I think it doesn't cost much. I think it's on offer now for £1.39. And I would, you know, for that money, might gift it to you guys, in fact. So you've got something to, tr to, to try out. But they've got some interesting mechanics again with the shooting. And now, again, I haven't delved into it a lot. But there's a certain mission where there's this person that's hiding behind a, a van. And you can't really shoot her directly. And to shoot her, you, you kind of have to... So you shoot the bullet on, on an angle on a, a road sign and it, and that makes deflect and it, and then it sh ricochet, I think is what ricochet, you're thinking. Ricochet, yeah. And it's got all these interesting mechanics to it and the graphics and the, the for me, the, the, the representation of Italy is just fun. So I, I've have been having a little bit of a blast on, on that. Cool. So it's a bit of a, of a game on the same theme as the famous Grand Theft Auto or how do you feel it compares with that? Well, Grand Theft, in Grand Theft Auto, uh, you you could get someone out from a vehicle and steal the vehicle, I think, from the PlayStation era already. And it was like a sandbox environment. So you could do anything, basically, inside this environment, and you would be chased by cops and stuff, usually in the car. And you had to escape. Here, it's a bit different. You have missions, and you have to be somewhere, and you've got cutscenes that take you to that place. So it's not it's um it's not an open sandbox kind of thing. You are kind of guided in what you have to do, and then you, at a certain point, you are left to deal with a with a boss or with a person that you have to assassinate, you know, or to the task you have to do. But it kind of takes you hand in hand to that place. It's re really good. Sounds really good. good stuff. Yeah, that's on Steam for you. £1.39, I checked before. <laughs> that's not bad at all. Okay. On the interwebs, as uh, I was browsing around, I noticed they have found a Tattoo Assassin's Machine. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. Nope. No, no. It's a game that followed Mortal Kombat, basically. It is made, I think, by the same team. It was developed in 1994. And it was a lost game, so it's never been released as such, except some prototypes, which now they have found a machine of. If you imagine it, you imagine it and uh, another version of Mortal Kombat, but a ridiculous version, where you've got 13 fighters, digitized, so it's digitized people and doing moves, exactly like Mortal Kombat. 
but it's very, very wacky because I think they had a very tight deadline and they couldn't do it. Plus, I think also they had a ridiculous demands to make loads of finisher moves. So in the original, I think they had one finishing move. Um, so Sub-Zero would probably strip the, sp- the caudal spine out of the person as a fatality. And then the more they progressed with a series of Mortal Kombat, then they had bestiality and they had um, babality, which sounded a bit ridiculous to me. And here they just took it to another level. There are 2,000 and nearly 200 finishing moves. And some of them are really ridiculous. Like one is turning the opponent into a hamburger. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, the the most preposterous one that, that I read I've seen it as well. If you research it, and I'm going to say it on the show, but basically at the end, if you win, you can do uh, one of the fatalities is you turn around and you do a giant diarrhea. (laughs) (laughs) And in the diarrhea, you pop a turkey out. Oh, wow. It's just so, so stupid. And then there's animalities and other stuff. I mean, there's... There's some really interesting videos about it because the people that found it obviously are reviewing it and there's YouTube videos about it, but it's really wacky. It's really wacky. And it just goes to testify that some games were really probably not meant to be, you know, released to the public. In the US, they have it at the Galloping Horse. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, Mark. Uh, Galloping Ghosts? It's a big arcade. Yeah, sorry, not no no galloping horse. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, I've never been there. I think it's like in Chicago or Illinois, something. Yeah, yep. I've heard of it. So that's one place where they have the original cabinet. I think. Um, it, it, yeah, I don't know. It's one of the lost, one of the rarest, basically. Uh, so I was quite impressed. A bit like you know, Diego, when you said they found a motherboard of Marble Madness or something on one of the episodes we talked about. Yes, you mean Marble Madness 2. Yeah, that, that was it. Yes. Yeah, that's a lot. I mean, that, that's overkill on, on all the fatalities. <laughs> that's like 2,200. How, I mean, how do you have that many combinations? Holy smokes. That's the thing. I think at the end, you just press any any button and it just does a different fatality. <laughs> There's no other explanation on how it can work. Yeah. Wow. Uh, I also discovered a site where you can find old games that have been on the same on the same note as uh, you know Tattoo Assassins that have never been completed or released, which is called Unseen sixty four. I don't know if you guys are familiar with it. No, nope, I don't think I'm familiar with that one either. It's a website where they catalogue by platform all the games that have either never been released or have been cancelled, which kind of is the same, but they come from a different angle. And there's a lot of stuff that you would never imagine. I know, for example, Pix like, loves Ultima series, and there's apparently on Ultima 3, Arthurian Legends, uh, an Ultima game that was cancelled and never released. There's a Perfect Dark Core, and some. there's loads of them, and you can go and experience them or find a lot of information about them, at least, in, on, on this website. And I think it's pretty cool. There apparently are some Mario games as well that have been cancelled, which is pretty interesting in my opinion. And these are any type of games or just games like arcade games? I mean, they're just kind of basically anything that's been kind of in development, documented, but not finished. Correct. That's right. So any platform, basically all the consoles that we know, it's a very apparently very famous site that I did not know existed. Yeah, I guess I'll have to take a look at that. It It is fascinating, um, and it's fascinating how companies 
didn't not not always, but didn't really look at that as um, in, I don't know how to describe it, but basically they'll they would just throw that stuff away. You know, if the game got canceled, it's like, well, we're done with that, and then they toss the stuff in the bin. You know, <laughs> and it's it, and all of us now are like, oh my gosh, why didn't we save? Why didn't you save that stuff? And and then you know you you hear about the stories where some developer found a floppy disk in their you know in their attic. Uh, or their loft full of, Oh, I had this code and, you know, and you, it gets, it gets dumped and you can, you know, we can experience it or see it. That's really, really neat. It's kind of neat to see what was out there that hasn't been, you know, and there's just, they're finding new things that's preserved. You know, they're preserving things almost every week. I hear stories of games that were in development that have never come to light. And that's cool that they've got a, a site that kind of documents that. I, I totally agree. It's a fascinating topic. I'm already taking a look at it right now and bookmarked the website so I can make a little research myself. It seems to be very oriented towards consoles, but uh, doesn't really cover uh, home computers of the old PC maybe, but not all computers. But yeah, I remember these stories since back in the days, like the famous Meyer Mare for for the ZX Spectrum that was never made, but the game was announced within another game. So if you reach the end of the other game now, which one exactly escapes me? But it was um, made by Ultimate Play, the game company. And it would tell you, congratulations, you completed the game. So see you next in Meyer Mare. And that title became sort of a legend in the in the Sinclair community because it was never made. So every now and then you would hear someone claiming they found a copy or something like that, and it was never true. But you always you were always left wondering how much of that game was made at that time. Anyway, something must have been at least designed on paper if they even went as far as promoting the game uh, within another game. But sadly, it was never meant to came out, apparently. But good stuff, and thanks for the heads up about this, because I know I'm going to carefully read all the website <laughs> in the next coming days. And that's called Unseen64, is that what you said? Yeah, that's okay. correct. Awesome. There are more preposterous stories about this, like uh, companies as big as, I think, Treyarch, um, which, do, which do like modern games. And they have cancelled some stuff. I think I, I read this somewhere. And they hid it in, in the top, uh, in the studios, at the top, on, in the roof, in the ceiling, <clears throat> in one of the things that you open. You know, what? I don't know how you call them in English again. Yeah, it's the ceiling tiles I know what you're talking yeah. about. <laughs> so they left it in there. But then I think the company went bust and they and they were they went out of the building and left those in in there and no one knows where all those hard drives and stuff have gone with all the data and the source codes of those games oh well i found one other uh, one other game i've been following it's called invia i-n-v-i-y-y-a <laughs> and it's a it's an amiga shooter um and I started following it. A, I, there's a podcast I listen to called The Amigos. They're American, <laughs> the American folks. I know. I guess that's an Italian word too, isn't it? 
Amigos. It's Spanish. Yeah. The Three Amigos. Spanish. Amigos. Yeah. Have you Have you guys listened to the Amigos before? Have you ever heard of that podcast? Uh, nope. No, not me, me neither. Oh wow, they're they're uh, um, American boys going over the Amiga games, and they've been around for oh my gosh, six, seven, eight years, something like that. I only found them back in um, probably three years ago. Anyway, they they mentioned this game called Invia Two, and what's kind of goes hand in hand with today's game. Um, so the developer developed this game. It's kind of an R type gradius kind of game and in via two is kind of a, a successor to it it's in development currently for the amiga but they're also making it for the neo geo which is pretty cool Ooh, so nice. so i've been following that kind of waiting and waiting the last update was back on the 12th of this month and he just posted a screenshot it's on facebook that's where i've seen it um i mean the game looks stunning uh, both both video and screenshots from uh, that I've seen for the Amiga and the Neo Geo. Have you guys either of you guys heard of this game in Via? I think I've seen images of that, and also I thought immediately that it seemed a bit like R type. Yeah, it's just a horizontally scrolling shooter, and I mean, anytime you can get a shooter for on the Amiga. I think that's awesome because I'm I'm a shooter junkie. So <laughs> not that I'm great at them, but but I sure like them. Oh, I saw this based on what you you told me about this, Mark. So I had a quick look, and the first I didn't know it was for Neo Geo, um, but I, when I saw it, it, it I don't know for some reason Psychnosis. Um, one of the, oh, oh no, I've lost the name. There was a game that Psychnosis did for the Amiga with an owl. Oh, completely um, um, oh agony. Agony, that's it. Agony, that's it. And it reminded me of that right off the bat. Interesting. Yeah, I can see that. I love. I actually really like Agony. People, I, 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 I find that game really fun. Yeah, I'm definitely going to keep an eye on this one though, because as you know, I, I like my shooters as well, and our type is one of my favorites, if not the favorite. So, um, for sure, and you know, maybe we can, we can bring it in the show. Yeah, yeah, it would be fun to maybe cover the first one at some point, and then as the second one gets closer and closer, um, I, I mean, I'll probably, I'm hoping they have a download so that I can add it to a flash cart for the Neo Geo, which is what I did with Xeno Crisis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that I could, so that I could try it on the Neo Geo, um, but I definitely want to try it on my Amiga as well. Right. Um- Diego, do you, did you play any other games or notice anything else? Uh, not this time, no. Um, but I, I did notice that there's a new version of the Scorpion engine, so which is uh, a game design engine for Amiga games. So perhaps that might be of interest to anyone who would like to try their hands at making some new Amiga games. And uh, But this one caught my attention compared to the previous version, because I think finally it's getting mouse support. And uh, that probably also includes supporting games with two mouse at at once, which I think it might open up some interesting idea for something quite, let's not say groundbreaking, but at least quite original games. Because I think that's very rare to have games played by two mouse. And um, for me personally, the Amiga was the computer that really 
opened up the world of mouse games for me back in the day. So to me, it always remains fundamentally home computer for games to be played with mouse. Before I had Windows, I had the Amiga. And uh, I loved all those uh, early strategy games like Defender of the Crown, for example. And uh, almost every homebrew I've seen so far was instead joystick-based. So I'm interested in knowing if now there will be most, more mouse-based games developed in the Amiga homebrew scene. Yeah, I think that's an awesome awesome thing because yeah as you said that will open up different doors on it and maybe get a bit more creative in what you can do i have another mention about some hardware that i found um so it's a campaign i think it's a ongoing campaign and it's called unithor it's a new joystick for retro computers hey so i did have a look at this because i'm quite interested i've got some old computers um as you know and some old joysticks that work with a leaf kind of contact and I've been looking for uh, joysticks that have micro switches and they're not, as, you know, as many as, as you'd like back in the days, um, especially in the earlier stages of computer life. And they've remade this joystick. It's, um, it's like, like a traditional one. It's got some quite a few buttons on it. It's got an auto fire button, a rapid fire button. And I think it's completely customizable. It's got a two meter long cord. And it, you can, I think you can custom map the buttons on it as well. And it comes in two varieties. So it does come in, in a DB9 variety. So it supports Amiga, Atari, C64, ZX Spectrum. And then it has a USB variant, which will be used for your emulators and PC games, apparently. But the thing that struck me most, that it will have feedback, which I don't know what they mean by that, on a DB9. So if you're playing an Amiga game, the, the joystick will, I don't know how, but it will give you a feedback, like um, a rumble. I, I have no idea. But I thought it was pretty, pretty interesting as a first attempt of creating a new old joystick that comes in two variations. It has quite a long stick, which I am not particularly keen of. I know, Mark, you don't know, but in Italy, we used to have a very, very famous joystick called the Albatross, which was the Holy Grail and cost a lot of money as well. And that had a very short stick, which allowed you to be very precise. And I associate long joysticks to be a bit imprecise. I've always con uh, preferred controllers over, you know, I know, I know, you know, slay me now, but I've always preferred joy pads or controllers over joysticks. Um Mostly just because that's kind of how it was here. I know we had, you know, the Atari and things like that. But as soon as the NES came out, joysticks only feel right to me on an arcade machine. I know that's crazy, right? <laughs> no, no. I mean, to each their own, no? Uh, we, we grew up differently. So, yeah, I, I get it. Uh, but I would agree with you eventually. And uh, the Albatross is not that far from an, an arcade-style joystick, in my opinion. It's it's short so it's not unwieldy but i think this unithor that you mentioned andy it's going to be one of those that look like an airplane stick controller stick like that yeah that's right i i, I was never fond of those too unwieldy and uh 
in my opinion, they work only for some kind of games, but not the others. I wouldn't like to play a platform with those kind of joystick. Maybe a shooter, yes, but um, not so many others. It's intriguing that they are adding a rumble mechanic, so to speak. But I wonder, that would probably require the games itself to support it, to to trigger this feedback. And uh, I don't think there's... But also a connector. Yeah, but I mean, if you don't have a game that that uses this feature, then what is it for? Is there, has there any be, if there hasn't been any kind of rumble uh, supporting joystick for Amiga and Atari ST, how is this going to work with the existing games? How are the existing games ever going to use this feature? Yeah, I don't. I I don't know. I I did go back and check, you know, because I thought, oh, it support maybe it supports Rumble over USB, which okay, you can use the modern games, but supporting Rumble on that nine connector implies that the Rumble signal has to go through one of the pins and to tell it when to you know switch on and off at least. But then there are no free pins, you know. I, that that's the bit that I do not understand at all. So it will be really intriguing to see how they solve that. Um, on a last note, I did have a look at one of the another game on the Game Boy, and it's called the Shapeshifter Two. Apparently, there's a one as well, and I am uh, I keep this really short. It's an old style again adventure, and I think it's developed from a, from a Spanish team, but I'm not too sure about that. And it looks really really good. I think this is going to be one that I would like to review or talk about in, in the very least in the future. Because I I, en- I remember I enjoyed the Sam Millard episode because we played that sort of adventure on the Game Boy, especially it looks so gorgeous. And if you look at the screenshots of this, it it is probably I don't say even better is a wrong word and you shouldn't say it, but it for me it it captured my attention and my craving for to play it even more. So I'm I'm really looking forward to this being completed and being able to play it. Right, we have finally got to the point where we can talk about the game that we're going to play today. So, Diego, you can take this one away. Okay, well, so the game we've chosen for this week's podcast episode is Xeno Crisis, if I pronounce it well. Uh, It's already a 2019 game, so it's been out for a few years already, made by the Bitmap Bureau group. And it's essentially an arena shooter meaning that it's a shoot-em-up game on a fixed screen. Everything takes place in a room which belongs to a larger map of rooms. If you have played in the past the famous arcade Smash TV game, then you already have a very good idea about what Xenocrisis is and how it plays. And I think this is out for Neo Geo, and it's also an arcade game itself. So it's based on twin sticks. But uh, there is also a Mega Drive version, which is the one which I have personally played, and that's not uh, obviously a twin stick shooter. It plays a little bit different, but we can talk about it in more details later on. Although, if you really want to, 
you can probably use the Mega Drive version on an emulator and also emulate the twin sticks with a gamepad, for example. Overall, I think it was Neo Geo, Neo Geo CD, PS Vita, Dreamcast, and Mega Drive. And I think now it's been ported for modern PCs as well. I think Mark knows this. I don't, yeah, I don't remember. Yeah, when I was looking at purchasing it, um, Steam was one of the options. Um, and I almost bought it on there, but I didn't. We'll get into that in a minute. <laughs> okay. But anyway, the whole game, let's say, has a very science fiction, military sort of vibe. So you and possibly a second player are essentially Marines in a space location fighting a lot of alien monsters. You can rely on a different kind of weapons. You can find weapons around the rooms. and Or you can buy weapons. You can collect points that which essentially look like uh, name tags or how do you call it in the dog US? Tag. Dog yep, tags? Dog, dog tags, that's right. Okay. So by collecting those, you can eventually spend them on upgrades on like to improve your health or speed or weaponry. And uh, it's a game that it's based on scarcity of ammunition, in my opinion. You are going to often run out of ammunition. And obviously, when that happens, that's going to be a problem because you'll be surrounded by aliens and you need to rush and hopefully get uh, some backup ammo from the ground if there is. Or you can rely on a very limited amount of grenades that adds a little bit of extra action just from uh, in addition to the basic shooting. You have an, also an, a defensive move where you can roll on the ground to escape a bad situation. And uh, otherwise, what can I say? I think that maybe it's nice to to mention that the maps are procedurally generated. So when you play the game, usually you always have a different layout of rooms and each rooms is also procedurally generated or actually randomly generated maybe. So they always look a little bit different from the previous time you've played the game. And this, of course, gives you gives the game a little bit more longevity. And it you can expect this to be a, a pretty frantic game. There's a lot of actions going on. So I want to know from the two of you, what was your first impression of this game? How did you like it? How did you like playing it? What were the strengths and weaknesses in your opinion? You want me to dive in? Okay. Well, I'll take a quick dive. So this is my kind of game. I absolutely love Smash TV. Um, the other, the older game from that, that that was kind of brought was Robotron 2084. Have you guys either played the, that arcade arcade game? Not me. Oh, Robotron. Yes. That's uh, the a classic. Yes. And it was, I think, I mean, maybe I'm wrong. It, I think it was a, the first twin stick shooter Robotron back in the mid eighties, early mid eighties, but very um, likely the first. Yeah. And I, what a neat concept, right? So <laughs> to my dismay, I, I played this on the mega drive as well, Diego. And it, you know, yeah, there's no two sticks, right? So, so trying to learn the, cause they do, I, I use the six button 
joypad and you know the the buttons are mapped there's four of the six buttons that are mapped to um to shooting in the four directions and if you hold two of them down then you'll shoot in the diagonal direction um this wasn't too hard once i kind of got used to it um but it obviously would have lent so much better to like the super nintendo pad where you had a diagonal and maybe the two triggers on top for your grenades and roll i think a you know and and that's why i it kills me i wish i would have bought the dreamcast version that i came across like three weeks ago i think i sent andy a picture (laughs) that's awesome that what a coincidence yeah i was i was at a friend's uh we had you know I had a friend that had a game night. Some people bring stuff to sell and swap, and that was there. And it, it was only like 30 bucks. And I was like, eh, well, you know, I think I want to play it on the Neo Geo. It probably would have played great because I bet they had the control set that way. I could be wrong. Anyway, but off the bat, I mean, I think the graphics are beautiful. And I, if I'm not mistaken, the soundtrack, or the soundtrack was specifically built for the uh mega drives synth chip yeah i think so yeah and uh, it was all was great for me um the downfall for me was the controls and i think it was Weedo on discord he was talking about how he played it um he's he's played it in the past on uh, emulated or on the mister i forget and was able to map a modern joystick to as a as a twin stick and i it obviously would play so much easier that way but this game is rock hard i mean the genesis version i played you had three lives and i think i made it past the second boss (laughs) once and that was it i mean i only made it to the third stage on the on that version um i did very hard it is hard so i did buy the neo geo version and the controls and that you know i I, th- I thought maybe they would have mapped or done some dip switches where you could change to use just the both both joysticks. Because if you guys are familiar with the MVS uh, Neo Geo console, or not console, the arcade machine, it, they only have four buttons instead of six. So its control scheme went like this. Um, you had basically have A, B, C, and D. B was your shoot. And if you held the, the shooting button down, then you would strafe. So it would stay in that direction while you moved around. Um, or if you held it and you pushed A, it would rotate um, clockwise. And C would rotate counterclockwise. So that was unusual. And I believe it was if yeah, to throw the grenade, you have to not be shooting and hit C. Um, it was, it was, it's confusing, but I, I really enjoyed the Neo Geo version because I had unlimited credits and I just blasted through it and had a great time. Um, and so, yeah, I, I mean, the downfall for me was just how hard it was it, with the controls. Again, if it was twin stick, I think it would make it a little easier, but again, that kind of makes you know, these, these games are meant to be hard. And so I think that's just the challenge. You you got to keep playing through it. So what do you think, Andy? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I played it in that in that very same weird way, and oh my god, I could not get over the controls. Um, so yeah, I had the same layout 
uh, as yourself, so four buttons. Um, I probably could have configured it, but I just used it out of the box as they give it to you. So was it shoot, uh, rotate the grenade and, and, and the roll? But the fact that you have to stop shooting to throw a grenade or stop shooting, I think, to roll as well, if I recall correctly, but correct me if I'm wrong, uh, made it really hard then to re-engage the enemy with the same angle. You know, I was shooting something, then I, I throw, throw a, a grenade, but I had to stop shooting. So it, it starts moving around again. It doesn't strafe anymore. And then I had to re reposition. It was very difficult to get hang of the controls to me. Really difficult. Yeah. Did you play with the Genesis the or a Mega Drive pad? Yes, I did. But or how uh, are you playing it, this? Mm, so I played it again out of the box. So as it was, uh, and I didn't have a six six button control pad. I played it with a three, and again, again, sorry, same same problem. Getting used to the controls, I could not figure out properly uh, how to engage or do the rolls with a with a two, with a three buttons. It was very difficult. So I kind of then stuck to the Neo Geo version. Like yourself, I found it very hard. So the first stages are okay. I mean, I got through them pretty easily. Then I found the first boss, which is like a sort of um, badly baked cake or something with <laughs> eyes or guts. I don't know. <laughs> and that was just uh, so hard. I It was insanely hard for me to, to... And the main thing was, even in the easy version, so this game has two, two difficulties, uh, difficult and easy. Uh, I think the developer said in one of the interviews that we've read that they only did two difficulties because they didn't want to do too much AI, if I recall correctly. But you can read the interview on the on a website called VG Charts. They've done the interview. Uh, so I've got past that, but, but, but struggling a lot because I, I wanted to throw a bomb. So I went up, stopped shooting, threw the grenade, but then the enemy was on my right-hand side. And I couldn't switch fast enough or I don't know what I was doing. And I found it really hard. And I died, I don't know how many times there, until I learned how to roll. And roll basically gives you immunity while you roll into any form of attack. So then I usually just uh, rolled at the bottom. If you don't realize that, it was so hard for me, so hard for me. And after that, I went on a little bit more. So there's seven levels total. I made it up to the dunes, I think, which is the third level. And that's about as far as I've got. It looks striking for me uh, still, but very, very good graphics and very good gameplay. So for me, this game is a bit of a, as you said, is a Smash TV kind of um, idea. And I found lots of interesting similarities a bit with Metal Slug. The design, the graphics, art style, it looked to me a bit of like a, a crossbreed between these two in, in some ways. And I was expecting when you find the, the weapons for them to be munition based. So, so you finish them off and then, you know, you can just throw them away or it goes back to it reverts back to your original shooting method. But instead, it's not like that. It's a time based and that I, I found myself a bit like, oh, I've got this rocket launcher. I'm going to keep it until I can. So I'm going to try and keep the ammunition. Initially, that was the idea for the big boss. But then it just, it, it's got a timer on top and the timer runs out and, and then you just lose it. And that I was not expecting. So these were my general impressions about the gameplay. I like the kind of pattern they've put in. So you have a level. Then, so which is, as Diego said, comprised of like a map of small um, arenas that you have to clear. 
And then after you, you, you've done those, you get to a boss and the boss level, once you've passed it, there's a cutscene. And after you've passed that, you go to a shop. And in the shop, as you said, you can augment some characteristics of, your, of the character you selected. So you can select two Marines the studio wanted to, to make more, but they wouldn't fit in the, in the Mega Drive cartridge. So they only opted by two. And I don't know if you guys, know, guys noticed, but uh, they start with different uh, abilities and different um, features. But then slowly with the, with the aid of the shop that you find at the end of each level, you can, they kind of equal themselves out. So in every shooter that I've seen, you get a power up, but when you die, it all goes away. But thank God in this one, you can upgrade loads of stuff. So you can upgrade your, your maximum health, the power, the speed, the ammo limit, how many grenades you have uh, and how many continues you have. And whatever you buy with it, as you said, with the dog tags that you find is carried across through your lives, which uh, was a very good addition, I think. Yeah, I actually really like the purchasing program too. And I, I'm guessing you played the Neo Geo more. Yeah. So I had a look at um, all of them just to make a comparison as much as I could. I went to the full extent that I went to, so the Dunes level with the Neo Geo. And then I played up to the, I think, the second level on the Mega Drive. And then I had a quick look on the Dreamcast and the PS Vita just to find the differences that there are. But we'll get into that in a little while. I've mentioned that there is a level called the Dunes. And there's a, a really a plethora of enemies that, that, that come at you. And they're all different. But most of, mostly for people who are a certain age. <laughs> uh, we'll recognize there's some like sandworms in the dunes, for example. Or I think they were called tremors in a movie. And then there's alien-inspired enemies as well as cocoons and, and weird stuff, weird alien plants that shoot you. And these are all purposefully done by Bitmap Bureau because obviously they like all the 80s and 90s movies and wanted to include some references to them. So the game would feel more like an original game from that time. And yeah, as I said, they would, they would have liked to, to have a, bit more, um, a few more characters inside. And this did really spawn to me, in, in, made me think about how this game would lend itself to a sequel quite easily because... You know, if you've ever played Chaos Machine, this is another uh, game that Xenocrisis reminded me of. You have different characters with different abilities, and that's a way they could make, for example, a Xenocrisis 2. I know there's a multiplayer. Yep, I was able to play with my four-year-old daughter on the Neo Geo. <laughs> <laughs> Because I have I have it set to unlimited credits, and so she was able to just keep blasting with me. It was fun. How is the multiplayer? I think it's much better, as a matter of fact. I had similar problem as both of you with the controls, maybe in a slightly different way, because I have only been testing the Mega Drive version of this. So I had to struggle with both these possible modes, the one with the four buttons, to shoot in the four directions or dia diagonally if you press two of them at the same time, or the three-button version where you just shoot in whatever direction you are going when you press it down and it keeps shooting in the same direction until you depress and then it will shoot in another. First one is definitely better, in my opinion, the six-direction one. 
but eventually I admit I decided to cheat and load it up on the emulator so that I could properly use a double stick controller. And that was, of course, another level, another matter, much easier. For some reason, what was difficult for me was to take advantage of the rolling mechanic. I never got it working. I was always rolling into worst places than I started with. <laughs> so I, at some point, I just forgot about it. And the grenade as well, there's very few of them. So sometimes when I saw a lot of monsters clustered in a short space, small space, then I, I used it. But usually I didn't even think about it. And, uh, well, Andy, you know me well that I'm not really the kind of shoot 'em up player. So <laughs> <laughs> I didn't really like that game since the start. It was better than I thought. Better than I thought. Speaking about the technicalities, I have nothing bad to say about it. Graphic looks great. The soundtrack sounds great. I, I love that it has this epic vibe in the music reminded me also of our type by the way and uh, really no criticism at all about the technical side of this game but it's difficult for me to really appreciate a shooter yeah and this one was better than i thought in the normal rooms at least but it really gets better when you are two people it gets maybe a little bit more messy there's a lot more bullet flying around so it's stressful for me to play these games when there's lots of things on the screen. I don't have to think. I don't have time to think much. I just have to shoot everywhere. It's not my favorite way of playing a game. But, uh, of course, when you have a buddy to play it with, it's more hilarious. There's more action. And it especially, it opened up some little tactical aspect of it because we were always telling me and my kid to each other, all right, you get the back door, I get the front door. Let's split up the roles. Or uh, you are down on ammo, I try to protect you. Just see where the next ammo power-up is uh, popping up and, and just focus on that. So that kind of thing, you don't get them when you are playing alone. And uh, I, I really recommend that you try playing with with someone else this game it it really improves the whole experience yeah i agree i think that that would make make it much better i mean my four-year-old daughter was i mean i had to basically keep <laughs> she would die within 15 seconds i swear oh, bless you. you know but she was, she was just having fun with me but um yeah i think playing it it was a couch co-op game. This would be, like you said, Diego, just fun, right? Laughing, giggling. I mean, it would just be a, a, a fun thing. What did you guys think of the mechanic of... Um, I, I found it kind of odd where basically once you almost ran out of bullets, um, then a chest would open up with more bullets. So I, I think... I mean, what do you guys think? I, I thought the only reason maybe they did that was because... Um, to kind of so you'd manage your bullets instead of just consistently blowing. But you know, when I look back to like Robotron, you, you know, you, I don't think you had, it's been so long since I played it, but I don't think you had a, a bullet counter. I think Smash TV you did maybe with your weapon power ups, but I don't know. I found that kind of is an odd mechanic. What'd you guys think? 
for me, it was the same. Like I, I thought, oh, I've run out of bullets. And then you're kind of left to your own devices to not shoot. You suddenly stop shooting and you're like, oh, dumb, damn. I, what, what do I do? Uh, you have to find where it spawned and run to it really quickly. And then you only got your knife. But you know what? When I when I stopped shooting and I was better off doing the, the roles, you know, as I said before, I noticed I, I became better at doing the roles. I didn't have too too much in my head. But I would have preferred it if I could just to not have any ammo limit. You know, that, that would be my choice. Yeah. But here's the thing. I, I think at the end of the day, when you when you look at this game, there's so much to it in such a simple gameplay that I think that you this is a game that you can actually get better at and better at. Because I, f- I feel like even though, you know, enemies get spawned in each room, manically i feel like you can maneuver through them you know get to the get to the power-ups get to the dog tags you know we did mention but there are um like in metal slug you can you pick up um i don't know if they're prisoners of wars or what but like uh civilians you save civilians in certain rooms um but you know i think i think that there's a lot to this game that makes it to where with the replayability i think you can learn this this is just a straight arcade game you can get better with time at least that's how i think the idea also that the layout changes every time you play it's a, it also helps with that but yeah well as i said i'm not the easiest customer when it comes to shoot em ups and um, i did feel not so good about the bosses if i have to be honest there the rooms i enjoyed them but the bosses always felt felt like a chore it was like oh my god no there's a boss you have to go around and shoot thousands of bullets especially the second one the death viper was called death viper i think it took me ages especially in single player mode to get rid of that. I don't know, maybe I was doing something wrong that I I should have bought more power-ups in the shop or I should have tried to collect more of these uh, special weapons, although they're not really up to you. They just appear whenever they want to appear. But it really took me ages to go around this snake and doing the same <laughs> movement always. I did have an issue with the boss design to be honest and they didn't even look that good to me kind of blah there was one of them the the last one i managed is uh teardrop the name i don't know why it's called like that but it's kind of cool i think it's the boss at the forest level that one was cool it's kind of semi-invisible it disappears and appears but you kind of always see where it is it's like you see the the absence of air i don't know in in its place when it disappears that was the only cool one but the others meh there's a level when the boss is cthulhu and as soon as i read the name i thought oh well this is gonna be cool this is better be cool (laughs) because it's cthulhu and man it felt like it was never ending (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so the, yeah, oh, that no. boss is nuts. Yeah, they, yeah. they were hard. I, I, I got to say the bosses were hard. But again, I think they I think they're manageable. The the snake one. I mean, you had to basically get in front of him, 
to shoot him and then just keep dodging until you can get another clear shot. And that's where the controls come in to make it really tough because depending on what control scheme you have, um, you know, with the ones I had without defaulting to an actual dual stick, trying to aim towards his head while you're running at him, but he's coming right at you. It was really hard, you know? And so I, I feel like um, when I downloaded the uh, Neo Geo version, it gave me a few different versions for like MAME. Um, and I think they actually gave me a Mr. version. And I think I'll probably try to load it in there at some point. Um and try to use a modern controller. I, I just don't play with my mister much. I, I have, I need to get more into it. Um, cause I get confused <laughs> by it. So <laughs> there's just, there's just a lot there, but I, I think that, you know, I'd really like to get this set up properly so that I can play it as an actual dual analog or dual digital, however you want to do it. But yeah, it's kind of cool. It sounds that that's what we're, we've all been missing basically is this dual controller way of doing it, you know, I, when I picked it up, I thought it was going to behave a bit more like Ikari Warriors, if you know what I mean. So you shoot and you move and it would shoot in the direction you're moving, you know. It does. So in the Neo Geo version, it does do that. If you basically just tap the button, tap the shooting button, you it would basically kind of move with you. I suppose that's, that, that's the actual problem that I, I just press it and never leave it yeah. <laughs> just, just blast it yeah yeah so i ended up <laughs> strafing all the time right i i've never actually done as much uh, area shooters arena shooters like this so it's not my preferred my comfort zone is not this having said that they did a lot of things right the controller in my personal opinion how i played them i did not enjoy the controls but other things that I hate in some old video games, for example, is the respawning of enemies. And I know here you've got the arena. Uh, each arena has, is, is randomized, as Diego said. Also, as I think you said as, as well, the enemies, where they spawn and which ones spawn, and, uh, probably also how many they spawn up to a certain level, is also random. But once you've killed them all, that's it. They don't respawn. And I think that is a huge, huge plus because I hate games where you exit a room, then go back into the room, and they their enemies are all back there. Yes, there's a very there's a very clear curve over there that I noticed. You go into a new room. Uh, I, I don't I don't know if it's okay to call it a curve. Let's say um, a dynamic of action. I don't know, but as soon as you get into a new room, you got. The first few seconds, things are not that bad because the monsters are usually coming out of a door or up from uh, the holes in the ground. Some of them appear out of nowhere or jump down, maybe from the ceiling, even though you can't see it really. So after a few seconds, then everything gets a bit uh, frantic. And then you get loads of them. You have to shoot them up as far as fast as possible and after a while it winds down because they stop coming so you only got what's left and that's especially the case for example in the dune levels where you have basically all of them uh, popping out from the ground these kind of turret monsters popping out from the ground and then you got all of them at once in the level and but as you get rid of them, of course, it gets easier and easier. So the level kind of winds down. 
And when you're finished, you can actually take a breath there before going into the next room and relax a bit. And I also think that this was a, a good idea because for me, it's these are stressful games, so it's good to <laughs> be able to take a little break. We should call this the geriatric game club. <laughs> uh, yeah, anyways, I do agree with what you say. I do agree uh, that having that mechanic of a action curve, you know, you, you can relax a bit at the beginning. Also, you can prolong that relaxation period if you keep on top of things. Like where they spawn the spawn points, if you keep hammering those, you tend to kill them before they spread all around and start shooting and whatnot. So you kind of, you can help keep things somewhat under control. Not, not completely, obviously, but that's another thing I noticed. I didn't like one thing, but it's very minor gripe really, but I didn't like that monsters would also come out of the door from which you just came in yeah. to the room. <laughs> Because it kind of gave you, what, I just cleared the previous room. How are they coming out from there? But it's a minor thing, not a big deal, yeah. really. I, I'm going to say something in favor of the game again to say they did these things right. So there's no, the no respawn thing, I think, is a good one. And so basically, you've got a set number of enemies. And when you finish them, as you said, you kind of wind down and you've only got what's left, which, oh, yes, after, much, after, the, after the stress, then uh, you can kind of relax a bit more. But also what I was thinking that was going to happen is, say I had five hearts left or three hearts left, after the shop, I wouldn't, I was expecting to have still three life left, three lives left, but instead it resets all your parameters to whatever you've bought in the shop. So you always get a reset with lives and stuff, which I thought was a, a great move, especially given how difficult the game is. Yeah. If you haven't played the multiplayer version, you don't know that uh, there is also a, a special mechanic related to your health. So if one of the two characters dies, the other character can actually revive them back. You just have to wait a couple of seconds and then go where the, the corpse is. And the other character is revived, I think, with only one heart. But this can, can prolong your survival quite a bit and it was probably my kids favorite mechanics in the <laughs> game because when we were playing she was always saying oh please come back and revive me and then I, she would of course do the same for me uh, it's not much to get one heart back it means next time you're hit you're dead again and as soon as both are dead well then you really lose a life and you have these three retries so you can buy more also in the shop if you if you have enough credits for that. But uh, it's a it's another plus point for the multiplayer version. So I I really think you should try that. Yeah, that's a neat mechanic. I actually didn't notice that. Um, I wasn't trying to revive my four year old. <laughs> that's I guess that's terrible. But yeah, I didn't. I'd never noticed running over and being able to do that. But Wow, that, that's actually fun. I, I really want to try this with a, a more skilled player. Um, to, to see. Oh, oh. <laughs> bless her heart. She's she's trying. Yeah, bless her. <laughs> Has any one of you finished this game? I, I certainly did not make it past the dude's level. No, I, I, I got to level five on the Neo Geo version before I had to turn it off one night. Um, 
and, and I was just pumping credits in it. I mean, you, you know, I was just, there were some rooms I died multiple times. So it was that bad. I was like, man. But did you play it on easy or hard? I think I played it on hard. Yeah. Well, you, you, you're looking for your own death then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on the on the Genesis version, I was playing it on easy, so um, I thought, ah, I got a million credits, and that was what was nice on the Neo Geo version. You just kept pumping credits, and so you could essentially just, you know, finish it that way. Because uh, I don't think it's that way on the Genesis version. No, no, there's no such thing. I also went as far as the fifth boss. On easy, otherwise, I think I went to the third one only. Then I, of course, peaked on some someone else is uh, doing the long run of the game on YouTube, and uh, because I wanted to take a look at the next levels as well. And I think that there are seven altogether. So fifth level, it's not that that bad, I think. But it's pretty pretty difficult game overall. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah, it's one I definitely will not master. I don't think it's one that I'll sink time. Well, I mean, I don't master many games anymore like we <laughs> used to. There's so many to try and play. But, um, you know, it's definitely one I'm going to leave leave in the Neo Geo cabinet to keep trying over and over. So I like it. I thought I was never going to master it, to be honest. Uh, but, yeah, if you do pump a lot of time and effort in it, then, yeah, you can get better, I think. But there is so much, so much to play nowadays. It's very, very difficult to to sink a lot of time in one only game. You guys played Neo Geo and Mega Drive. Uh, I don't know. Did you spot what differences did you spot if you've played both versions? For me, it was just the graphics. I mean, I didn't really. Everything felt relatively similar as far as that goes. But the Neo Geo just ran super smooth. Diego, you you only played the Mega Drive. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah, so I had a look at Neo Geo, Neo Geo CD, PS Vita, and Dreamcast, and and basically I tried to cover them, the most of them. I did notice the graphics were more or less the same in all the versions. I didn't really notice a, a big difference in graphics, except that, as you said, the smoothness in the Neo Geo and and Dreamcast uh, was much better. I think I noticed enemy scaling. So there is a level where the enemies they come in like zoomed zoomed right in and then they go down like they're landing inside the the arena and that did not happen on the mega drive but it does happen on the neo geo and i think uh, neo geo and uh, the uh, dreamcast have um better sounds so there's there's voice acting in it um and a lot more in the cd and the music is a bit better in the neo geo cd version as well Plus, the new JOCD has two important features that um, I didn't test. But basically, you can save and you can actually choose the location where you want to start. So that, that's a very, very good thing to do, especially because when you load the new JOCD version, it takes a while to load. So you don't really... Once it's loaded, it's okay, but you don't want to be loading over and over again. You know, so you can start from any part of the of the mission, let's say, and you don't have to restart from from the beginning all the time. Which I think that was a pretty nifty move from them. The PS Vita, on the other hand, the graphics are always the same, but they've changed a bit how the layout is. So you've got status bars on the on the sides, uh, as well as having the stats on the character. So you know when you 
and you get hit, the number of hearts goes down and you've got an indicator at the top of your character with a heart and a number. And, and when you get hit, it just shows you the current level. But you also have it on the sidebars. And the best controls I found were on the Dreamcast. Just to <laughs> confirm what you were saying, uh, they do work better on those types of controllers. And uh, But I didn't play a long time on the Dreamcast as well because it was mainly just to spot differences, to be honest. All of the versions were pretty pretty good graphically and very impressive, especially I, rem I remember when I saw the big spaceship land in the beginning. Oh, that was a big sprite. So very impressed with the graphic styles, which again reminds me of the Bitmap Brothers, which is also an inspiration for their name. In one of the interviews, they said that they took a little bit of inspiration from the Bitmap Brothers to let everyone know they do uh, pixel art, so 2D graphics games mainly. Overall, I think I I would recommend this game, but only if you have a real passion for arena shooters and you actually want to sink a lot of time in it to master the controls. That that would be my recommendations. What do you guys think? I mostly agree. Yeah, same with me. I I kind of wish I would have gotten the Steam version just so that it kind of had a modern controller hook to it. Um, but you know, I, I I like playing things on old machines, so. <laughs> The Neo Geo and Mega Drive, it was for me. But yeah, I definitely think people should give this one a give this one a try, especially if Smash TV or Robotron is up their alley. Well, that's, that brings us to the final moments of the show. So I don't know which one of you two wants to tell what the next game is. I think Mark, you're going to be in the next episode as well, which makes me very happy. Hey, but I still have one little. Easter egg for oh, you. Oh, dear. <laughs> no, about the game. It's about this oh, game. Oh, sorry. Because I, uh, I think one one nice bit, minor addition is the fact that this game comes in eight languages. So because there was also Italian, I played both. Oh. Some days I played in English and some other days I played it in Italian. And I even tried Japanese just for fun. But, uh, but there were some goofy translations <laughs> there so you might want to take a look they're, they're kind of fun for example there's there's one level early level actually when it i think in english it says we have engaged the aliens but uh, they didn't translate it properly <laughs> that would have been abbiamo affrontato gli alieni that means pretty much we have engaged or faced or attacked the aliens but they translated this as abbiamo ingaggiato gli alieni because engage ingaggiato that's very similar but it actually means we have hired the aliens <laughs> and i thought wow that's a plot twist <laughs> that's an interesting twist of the of the story over there maybe now we're gonna have next level to fight the good guys or something like that but no it was just a goofy in the in the translation but i think it 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 made me laugh. Yeah, that's Was it funny. multi-language on the Neo Geo? I don't remember. I don't think so. You know, I don't remember being able to make different changes now that you say that. I mean, yeah, when you, when you fire up the Mega Drive version, yeah, you have those uh, changes. Um, those choices, yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember being able to change that. I think you're right. Maybe a dip switch. Oh, did you know that you can you can put like unlimited health and, and ammo in the dip switches of the Neo Geo? <laughs> no, I didn't actually look at any of the dip switches um, settings. I just I'd, I'd heard that that the uh, twin stick was out. Otherwise, because if you use the twin stick on the Neo Geo, 
it would disable the second player. So yeah, yeah. So I didn't look too close at the at the dip switches, but I probably will just to see if there's something I want to mess with there. Love the new Joe. What a lovely console. Anyways, let's get back to the the closing moments. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll I get to uh, come come back. You guys keep inviting me, so I'll keep coming as long as I've got the time. <laughs> so um, we're going to play an NES game called Witch and Wiz that will um, let's see. I guess that'll be October fifteenth, which is when I'll be in Portland. Is when that's going to drop. So yeah, that should be fun. Um, and we're also going to be joined by Weedo, who's a listener and friend and the uh, developer, if I'm not mistaken. Is that right? That's right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Matt Hewson. I hope I'm pronouncing it correctly. So it should be very interesting. A lot of us will be in there. So hopefully we don't, you know, hopefully we, we survive. <laughs> yeah. I think we'll have a lots of fun. Yeah. It should be fun. All right. So, guys, uh, thanks for listening. Um, the usual closing notes, which I always get wrong. Um, so, if you want to play along with us, please do so and write to us at game at newgameonflame.com with any contributions or questions. Um, if you want to send an audio clip, please do so, but make sure it arrives five days before the uh, show airs so we can include it. I think, oh my God, we said everything this time. I didn't even get it wrong. How lucky am I? Well done. Well, I'm going to leave you with one question before I close the show, which is, is coffee a soup? And having said that, I'm going to say goodbye to you guys. Thank you lots for coming on the show. Thanks for everyone for listening to us. Another shout out to the Retro Asylum for being so helpful and supportive. And I'll see you both in the next episode. See ya. See you and happy retro gaming, everyone. <laughs>